name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we are the Extra Sisters. Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to another Haunted Happy Hour. And in this Haunted Happy Hour on Friday the 13th, not that you're listening to it on Friday the 13th, but we're recording it on Friday the 13th. So, you know, so vibes. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we are going to talk about vampires. And it might be a little different than what you're expecting because we're not really going to talk about the traditional Dracula vampire. No, we are going to get away from that because you all know about the traditional Dracula vampire that we hear about pretty much everywhere. We're going to talk about some, well, I'm going to talk about vampire lore in different parts of the world and different folklore and kind of the different forms they took on. And I'm also going to start with something from the United States, a story and Kristen went a little different direction than I was expecting. So what did you do? I love vampires, as you guys have heard in all of our vampire episodes. I want to be a vampire so bad. (laughs) So I went a little more modern. I went into the vampire community and stuff going on with them. So that'll be kind of cool. Okay, so when we get there, you're going to have to tell me what exactly that means. But we we can do that in a minute. Okay. Okay. When you, when you start, we'll talk about the what, vampire community and stuff what, like that. Yeah, like you'll have to okay. elaborate on that specific thing right there. But okay. so I'm going to start us off with an American story. And this is a story of Mercy Brown. And it actually, Colorado Springs is mentioned in this shout out. In 1892, tuberculosis was the leading cause of death in the United States, then known as consumption. Its symptoms included fatigue, night sweats, and then coughing up of white phlegm or even foamy blood. There was no cure or treatment. Doctors often recommended exercise in fresh air, which is often why those of means would retreat to the mountains of the West. Those infected had an 80% death rate. It's not surprising that such a terrifying disease might also cause hysteria and for locals to even blame a supernatural occurrence on a rise in deaths. In a small town in Rhode Island, at the end of the 19th century, the locals began to fear one of their own, named Mercy Brown. They thought she was causing consumption deaths in their town, even though she was already dead of tuberculosis. It all started when a farmer named George Brown lost his wife, Mary Eliza, to tuberculosis in 1884. Two years after the death of his wife, his oldest daughter died of the same illness. Before long, tragedy would strike the Brown family again. As the family members died one by one, people began to suspect that the reason was something much more suspicious and malicious than a disease. The rest of George Brown's family appeared to be in good health until his son Edwin became seriously ill in 1891. He retreated to Colorado Springs in the hopes that he would recover in the better climate. However, he returned to Exeter, which is the town, in 1892 in an even worse state than when he left. Within the same year, Edwin's sister, Mercy Lena Brown, died from TB when she was just 19 years old. And with Edwin deteriorating rapidly, his father began to grow increasingly desperate. Meanwhile, several concerned townspeople kept telling George Brown about an old folktale. The superstition claims that by some unexplained and unreasonable way, in some part of the deceased relative's body, live flesh and blood might be found, which is supposed to feed on the living who are in feeble health. Basically, the myth claims that when members of the same family waste away from consumption, it might be because one of the deceased is draining the life force from the living relatives. 
As a local newspaper reported, Mr. Brown did not place much credence in the old-time theory and resisted their impunities until Wednesday when their bodies of the wife and two daughters were exhumed and an examination had under the direction of Harold Metcalf, MD of Wickford. On the morning of March 17, 1892, a doctor and some locals exhumed the bodies of each family member who had died of tuberculosis. They found skeletons in their graves of Brown's wife and oldest daughter. However, the doctor found that the nine-week-old remains of Mercy Brown looked startlingly... <laughs> Guys, I saw... <laughs> We've been drinking before this. <laughs> they looked normal and undecayed. Furthermore, blood was found in Mercy Brown's heart and liver. This seemed to confirm the locals' fears that Mercy Brown was some kind of vampire who had been sucking the life from her living relatives. The doctor tried to explain to the townspeople that Mercy Brown's preserved state was not unusual. After all, she'd been buried during the cold winter months. Nevertheless, superstitious locals insisted on removing both her heart and liver and burning them before reburying her. The ashes were then mixed with water and fed to Edwin. Unfortunately, this supernatural concoction did not cure him as people had hoped. Edwin died a mere two months later. That is still a thing that they use for vampires in Romania. In rural, rural Romania. Like superstitious rural Romania. Yes, that is still something they do. In 2004, they they had a man that they dug up and burned his heart and had someone drink it. Because hmm. it, is it supposed to like cure you like so that they can't get you or so that it like cures you of disease I, guess, I, I, like, I literally don't know where their mind is going with that one it's interesting because in that one it like it was supposed to like cure him and help him yeah. move on but supposedly it saved the guy in 2004 so I, it must work to save them from vampires but I don't know interesting mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, I would like an explanation of a modern vampire. What does that mean? And okay. what is a vampire community? Okay, so Proceed. Let, let's just start with vampire community. A vampire community is no different than what you guys are hearing with the LGBTQ community or the goth community or people who love cats. Like, it's just a connection for people that feel like they are vampires or love vampires and want to be in the community for them to get together. Mostly it goes through goth connections, actually. Modern vampires, they can go three different ways. So we have sanguine vampires, which those are the ones that still drink blood. We have psi vampires. Those are the ones that feed off of energy that you give off. The way I like to look at it is almost like auras, if you get into that metaphysical stuff. Mm -hmm. It's almost like feeding off of someone's aura. And then there are hybrids that can do both. Hmm. But most of the vampire scene now is mostly parties and psi vampires feeding off of those. Interesting. Yeah. Which I have always been drawn to personally because I am an introvert. So I feel when extro extroverts are taking my energy. And... Hearing about Psy Vampires honestly really rung home to me because of that. Because I could see how somebody would suck the energy or the life force out of somebody that way. Because I feel that sometimes being around extroverts. I'm like, dude, you got to shut up. I can't do this anymore. That's interesting that you... This is not a, like, 
actual thing. This is actually a show that I think you might find really funny. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, but my when my brother was here back in... Have Are you, you seen what we do in the shadows? Yeah. <laughs> I have not seen the show. I have seen the movie. The movie was great. Yeah, I watched the movie with him when he was here. And then we started the show. And the show is actually also pretty funny because they talk about a psi vampire and him sucking the energy out of everyone <laughs> in the room. And it's you should also watch the show if you like the movie because it was actually I haven't like I only got like four episodes in, but it was pretty funny, too. So I'm just not yeah. that that has anything to do with the community, but it was funny. <laughs> no, I actually plan on watching it because I really did like the mo the movie. I, interestingly enough, I followed Nightmare on Film Street's Halloween list this year, where you basically picked what movie you wanted to do according to like movies that have autumn leaves or trick or treaters or mass killers. And I kind of curated my own list of movies that I had always wanted to watch that fit in there that I hadn't seen yet. And one of the ones that I watched was for vampires was what we do in the shadows. And I really liked it. Yeah, it was super funny. Yeah. Uh, highly recommend if you haven't seen it. Speaking of vampires. <laughs> it was really good. All right. So moving on to more of the modern vampires. Mine are going to be a little bit shorter because these aren't folk tales with all of the intricate pieces to them. These are real people that have real lives and maybe don't want to share a lot of it. So most of mine are just quick paragraphs, but let's start off with Donald Wayne Henry. He is also known as the Vampire Don. He is known for his role in the short-lived sci-fi reality show Mad Mad House, which aired in 2004. Prior to this, he worked nights as a microelectronics engineer in San Diego. Having been on TV, he is one of the most well-known members of the vampire community. Don Henry is a sanguine vampire, meaning he speeds off blood and is even seen drinking blood from his girlfriend in an episode of Mad Mad House. He is not one to cross, and he has told those interested in the vampire community to come looking for answers. They won't just be handed to you, but you have to dig and beware. I don't think I could ever, ever, like, if I even just taste blood in my mouth, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I love the taste of blood. That Lada. is not relatable. If to I me. accidentally bite the inside of my cheek, I'm good. Ugh. <laughs> no, I literally can not relate to anything less. Like, I hate it. It tastes like I've always like when I was a kid. I was like, it tastes like a penny because it was like <laughs> an iron taste. You know, like it tasted coppery, and I. Bleh, no. I I love vampires, and let me put this out there right now i am not one of those twilight vampire girls i love vampires before twilight was a thing vampires are amazing i never read or watched twilight so well, i can't relate yeah <laughs> I have, but because you know you have to read everything vampire when you are craving that when you're 15 but yeah. And that's totally fair. When I was in high school, it was always very like Harry Potter versus Twilight. And I was like, Harry Potter, fuck Twilight. But now that I'm older, I totally respect it. I, I just never got around to like watching it or and I never really wanted to read it because I read something else Stephanie Meyer wrote and I was mm. like, I don't like your writing. But um, yeah, she you know. is not a good writer at all. But when you're craving vampire stuff, you know, she'll do in a pinch. But yeah. If anybody out there is a diehard vampire person like me, like I have titles for you. If you're looking for authors, if you're looking for books, I've got them. Just ask. 
theextrasisters at gmail.com. <laughs> or if you want a quicker response, you can join our Patreon. <laughs> exactly. Jameless plug. <laughs> I'm super excited to actually share some of the folklore I have with you. I know that you're more into like the more Dracula type vampire, but some of the folklore I have from other like vampiric type Mm -hmm. creatures from other cultures, super fucking interesting. I'm super excited. You were sending me names and I didn't want to look it up and you know, I'm I'm super (laughs) glad you didn't because some of these are sick. Like they're really scary, like way like vampires are scary like if you think like we have then then there's nothing wrong with this i'm not saying that but we have really sexualized them mm-hmm. and we lust after them and their lifestyle but some of and but if you think about like dracula for example super scary mm-hmm. but some of the ones that i have on my list as far as like the folklore you can't sexualize them they are (laughs) terrifying well they're not even human type looking creatures they are tear like now one of them is like a woman type succubus type thing so yeah that's sexual but (laughs) all right this next one i have it is the scottish bavon sea looks like boban sith but it's bavon (laughs) sea The Bavon Sea usually appear as a beautiful young woman wearing a long green dress that conceals the deer hooves she has instead of feet. Like other vampires, she drinks the blood of human victims and will vanish with the rising sun. She may also take the form of a hooded crow or a raven. There are numerous stories about the Bavon Sea, which, with a general theme of hunters being attacked in the wilderness at night. In one tale, recorded by Mackenzie, there were four men who went hunting and took shelter for the night in a small hut. One of the men sang while the others danced. The men expressed a desire for partners to dance with, and soon after that, four women entered their hut. Three of them danced, while the fourth sat next to the singer. The singer then noticed drops of blood falling from his friends, and immediately fled from the hut, taking refuge amongst the horses. The woman that was sitting next to him chased him but was unable to catch him, and when daylight came, she disappeared. The man went back inside and found all three of his friends dead and drained of blood. In a similar tale, one of the men noticed that the women had deer hooves instead of feet and fled from them. He returned the next morning to find that the other hunters had their throats cut and chests laid open. Damn. Yeah. In a third story, the hunters took refuge in a cave. Each of the men said he wished his own sweetheart were there that night, but one of them, named McPhee, who was accompanied by his black dog, said he preferred his wife to remain at home. At that moment, a group of young women entered the cave, and the men who had wished for their sweethearts were killed. McPhee was protected by his dog, who drove the women from the cave. One recurring motif in these stories is that these women appear almost immediately after the hunters express their desire for female companionship. This is connected with a traditional Scottish belief that if one were to make a wish at night without also invoking God's protection, then that wish would be granted in some terrible manner. Ooh. Vampire succubus, God's curse. Got it. <laughs> God's curse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was pretty cool. I liked that one. Spooky. And they're only female. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Badass female coven of vampires. Damn straight. Yeah. <laughs> My next modern vampire, Michelle Bellinger, is an American author, singer, and prominent advocate for the vampire community. 
Bellinger authored over two dozen nonfiction books on paranormal and occult topics and has appeared in television documentaries about magic and modern occultism. Michelle is a psi vampire, or psychic vampire, which is a person who feeds off of others' energy instead of their blood. And I remember seeing her in a History Channel show, this is just a side topic, where they actually showed her, it was like her aura next to somebody else's aura, and they were using camera techniques to show her literally pulling life off of someone and bringing it onto herself. Like, someone else's aura was getting dingier and hers was getting brighter. It was really cool. Is that why I feel like shit around certain people? <laughs> yes. That's These I'm people feed you. off, like, empathetic people, don't they? Yes. Yes. I honestly feel like psi vampires are probably a certain type of extrovert that can literally do this. Yes. Because, like I said, as an introvert, I feel that sometimes. Like, I literally feel like somebody is draining my life from me. She also struggles with keeping batteries charged, and recording equipment can start to malfunction around her. She has written a book for Psy Vampires called The Psychic Vampire Codex, which can help Psy Vampires on their journey of learning about themselves as a Psy Vamp. And just for you, Amanda, mm -hmm. she has actually also written a book called The Dictionary of Demons, in which she has listed every single yeah. demon that exists. And if yeah. anybody is curious about her, these books, if you feel drawn to the Psy Vampire or even the Dictionary of Demons. Her website is Michelle Bellinger. That's B-E-L-A-N-G-E-R dot com. I have always wanted to read a big Dictionary of Demons, but I also enjoy sleeping. So, <laughs> Well, she's got one for you if you're ever curious. I really have to find a balance <laughs> between the two of those things, you know? Right. Because sometimes I feel like if I read books about demons and really went down i also have like wanted to look up like youtube videos about some of this stuff but that's a that's a visual i also just don't need mm -hmm. right this one is also very different i get the last one wasn't very different but this one is the catalonian deep the deep is a vampiric hellhound originating from the catalonian mythology the myth is strongly tied to the catalonian village of pradeep Deeps are vampiric in nature, attacking cattle and humans at night and sucking their blood. And turning the page. Sorry, there's a comma there. Although some myths replace this by having the deeps dismember their victims before drinking their blood. The causes for the gradual disappearance of them during the 19th century is unknown, given that no one ever managed to kill or capture one, and some people point at divine intervention through Saint Marina being the likely cause. They take the form of big, black, furred, hairy dogs, yet are only visible in the dark due to their red, glowing eyes. As with most other Catalonian myths featuring demons, they are lame in one leg, if not outright missing a leg, although modern interpretations favor having all legs intact. This myth appeared at most late during the 14th century, eventually naming the local village Pratdeep Deep Meadow and making its way into Pratdeep's coat of arms. Deeps, uh, yeah, it's like super deep into the culture. Deeps also made their way into the nearby chapel of St. Marina, showing up as decoration. Eventually, the statue to this saint was held atop four deep statues, symbolizing that God would prevail over this monster and strengthening the idea that this was the cause deeps were finally disappearing. Sadly, both the statue and some decorations featuring them were lost in 1936 during the Spanish Civil War. <sighs> War. Destroys everything cool. Men. <laughs> exactly. 
Current theories for this origin of this myth point at it being a hoax to prevent the drunk from wandering at night, as the myth often reinforced the idea that drunks were the deep's favorite meal. Another theory claims the myth started from wild dogs attacking cattle or even both theories working in unison. However, many in the village did not think it was a myth at all and stand by that they would attack, drink your blood, and or dismember the bodies. Ooh, that's awesome. That they a vampire dog. Yeah. yeah. I really thought it was interesting too. That one was a little bit harder because it didn't have like a Wikipedia page, but if you really started digging into the mythology sites that came up, that one was interesting because of all the like saint and Catholic culture there mm-hmm. and like the like just the history aspect and it being in the coat of arms and even in the religious yeah, symbols that. there. That's and cool. the, like vampire demon dog, like it being religious. So mm-hmm. I thought that one was really interesting. And you also don't hear a lot about vampires being anything other than like these humanistic things. Yeah. It almost sounds like like a chupacabra, but in a different area. Like, you know, goat sucker, blood sucker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. It's also really interesting how like going through these mythologies, how humans and this is not this is also how religion came about and everything. If we really want to go there, which we're not going to really get into that tonight but or today or this morning or whenever you're listening to this but tonight for us you know religion comes about because people need excuses for why things are happening so if a bunch of cattle were dying and people were getting attacked by whatever animals were around you know demon you know aliens aliens (laughs) demons you know we did something to piss god off or you know you know something like that and that sounds kind of similar to and that's exactly what that says you know people wandering drunk well the deep's gonna get you and it's spelled dip d-i-p but considering where it comes from that's why i said deep but i could Mm -hmm. be wrong it could just be dip but i think it's pronounced deep but anyways i like that one that was cool yeah i thought so Alright, back to modern vampires again. This man is Father Sebastian, and he is an American fangsmith, published author, and impresario of the Endless Nightball, which by the way, I want to go to so bad. Okay. Oh, I know you've talked about that for years. <laughs> yes. He is a formal dental assistant working as a fangsmith, creating custom-made fangs for customers. He is the founder of the Sabertooth Clan, a fang-making business and social network for the vampire subculture, and has worked as an author and co-author of several books on the occult and the vampire subculture. He has been a part of the vampire community since 1992. Father Sebastian is also quite well known, having appeared on Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures, CW, History Channel, Discovery Channel, and MTV. He's also been interviewed by The New York Times, Glamour, Cosmo, Revolver Magazine, and more. Currently, Father Sebastian travels between Paris, New York, Florida, New Orleans, and L.A. where he lives, making custom fangs and hosting events such as the Endless Nightball, which occurs every Halloween in New Orleans, by the way. If anybody wants to fucking go with me, there. (laughs) Father Sebastian is a psi vampire who is able to feed well through the nightclub energy of his parties. And if anybody is ready to buy their fangs and go to the Endless Night Party, I have a couple websites for you fathersebastian.com and that is Sebastian with two A's at the end he even has a picture of himself on the website with Jamie Lannister if anybody's excited about Game of Thrones with that I am (laughs) you can also go to the vamporium.shop for your endless night swag and fangs and just letting a bail snow because I'm shopping for my own pair the fangs start between $150 and $300 a pair 
Interesting. I want my own fang so bad. Fangsmith, author, and impresario. Yes. Book your Can fang appointment. I have had plans. Like, I have had trips planned out in my head of going to Paris and going to his fang shop because I want to go so bad. Subcultures are always so interesting as somebody who's, like, interested in, like, the very, like, I was, like, an emo kid and you know, middle school. And I think if you continue on that path as I have, you just kind of graduate to like a more like goth subculture, mm -hmm. you know, but there's all these offshoot of subcultures, you know, and it's mm -hmm. just so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween in New Orleans about vampires. Come on. Oh, I know that's your jam. Now, if we can just get COVID to go away, mm -hmm. wear a fucking mask. All right. Right. The Ewe Adze, this, I know that that's, I did look up the pronunciation. The Adze is a vampiric being in Ewe folklore. The Ewe are located in Togo and Ghana. In the wild, the Adze takes the form of a firefly, though it will transform into human shape upon capture. So don't fucking go getting some fireflies and putting them in a jar. <laughs> when in human form, the Adze has the power to possess humans. People, male or female, possessed by an Adze are viewed as witches. The Adze's influence would negatively affect the people who lived around their host, so very similar to like an energy suck. A person is suspected of being possessed in a variety of situations, including women with brothers, especially if their brother's children fared better than their own, old people if the young suddenly started dying and the old stayed alive, and the poor if they envied the rich. The Odds' effects are generally felt by the possessed victim's families or those of whom the victim is jealous. So basically, you just like can't have a bad personality or like <laughs> want more for yourself or the people around you can't start doing worse or like things like that. I was going to say, I would struggle with this one. I have jealousy issues. Yeah. I would not make it. In firefly form, they would pass through closed doors at night and suck blood from people as they slept. The victim would fall sick and die. Tales of the creature and its effects were probably an attempt to describe the potentially deadly effects of mosquitoes and malaria. There is no defense against these creatures. Ooh. Yeah. So. Shit. Yeah. Interesting that like a where uh, mosquitoes and malaria are a problem. They yeah. came up with something that was kind of like a vampire, you know? Mm -hmm. I so, love that. that I don't love that, but, but that's interesting it, that the culture did it. Right, right. Interesting, I guess, would be the word there. <laughs> yeah. Right. But again, how humans come up with things to explain right. that we are having trouble wrapping our heads around or are grieving. Because we can grieve over things like, you know, thing like malaria and AIDS mm -hmm. and COVID and things like that. So, you know, mm -hmm. so some people are saying COVID is God. So, you know, <laughs> it's not, but, you know, it's not, <laughs> <laughs> but whatever, whatever you want to tell yourself, but. All right. So this is not about a vampire. This is just about, this was more of me looking at other vampire lovers like me. So this is about vampire covens. For those looking for more vampires for a sense of community, connection, and understanding, we have vampire covens. Quick Google searches show a plethora of places for newly realized vampires, or Therians, which are shapeshifters, or other kin, 
or people that are just trying to figure out what is going on in themselves. VampireRave.com allows people to connect and create covens with like-minded individuals, or you can go on and find an already established coven to join. They are also open to goth people, but they are primarily for real vampires. Another website, house-eclipse.org, can help people figure out what they're going through and helps people in the DC area and surrounding find connections. They have meetups and community forums to join in. House Eclipse also has links to other websites for people not in the DC area to meet up and a link specifically for Sanguinarian vampires to find community. I think that's so cool what the internet has done for us. Granted, these websites are very old and not well taken care of, which I get. They don't have a lot of money to update these things. They definitely look like they've been from the 90s or early 2000s, but it's amazing that you even have that sort of community that you can find these things. Yeah, that is cool. And also, somebody in the community should go to IT and, like, update their websites for them. Mm-hmm. Throw that out there. Right. The House Eclipse one looks pretty good if anybody is interested. And the other kin I did look into, and it's, like, fairies and stuff. So that was pretty cool. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder where, like, I have watched, like, a, I think it was, like, a My Strange Addiction episode back in, like, the mid-2000s where there was someone that identified as a vampire and was talking about, like, where she gets her blood and stuff. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's usually from, like, trusted friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, where they yeah. get it. What I've seen is a lot of couples will do that for each other. Or I've seen a woman, her name is Lady C.G., and she has almost taken on a motherly role for a lot for her whole vampire coven. She is an older woman. She's probably in her 50s or 60s now. And everyone else is in their 20s and 30s. are still learning it. And she takes her blood from meat that she butchers herself. Oh, I've so seen that too. Cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no disrespect. I just meat, mm-hmm. talking about like meat blood. Yeah. I'd rather have like human blood. <laughs> I'm sure they would as well yeah yeah that's true all right I have saved my longest and my most interesting in my opinion for last and this is the Icelandic Norse Draugr I don't really know how to say this if anybody's played Skyrim I'm very excited oh so you kind of know this then I only know them as dead that come back to life in Skyrim. I don't know about them as a sort of vampire type, so I'm kind of excited. Okay, so there are several different depictions of this. So, (laughs) Draugr possess superhuman strength, can increase their size at will, and carry the unmistakable stench of decay. The appearance of a Draugr was that of a dead body, swollen, blackened, and generally hideous to look at by one depiction. They are undead figures from Norse and Icelandic mythology, which appear to retain some semblance of intelligence. They exist to guard their treasure, like dragons, wreak havoc on living beings, or torment those who wrong them in life. Their ability to increase its size also increases its weight, and the ability of the Draugr was described as being extremely heavy. One was described as uncorrupted and with an ugly look about him, swollen to the size of an ox, and his body was so heavy that it could not be raised without levers. They are are also noted for the ability to rise from the grave as wisps of smoke and swim through solid rock. In folklore, they slay their victims through various methods, including crushing them with their enlarged forms, 
devouring their flesh, devouring them whole in their enlarged forms, indirectly killing them by give, driving them mad, and by oh, drinking geez. their blood. Yeah. Animals feeding near the grave of a dragor might be driven mad by the creature's influence. One described earlier, for example, caused birds to drop dead when they just flew over his dwelling. The Draugr's victims were not limited to trespassers in its home. The roaming undead devastated livestock by running the animals to death, either by riding them or pursuing them in some hideous half-flayed form. Shepherds' duties kept them outdoors at night, and they were particular targets for the hunger and hatred of the undead. Draugr are noted for having numerous magical abilities, referred to as Trollskop resembling those of living witches and wizards such as shape-shifting, controlling the weather, and seeing into the future. A drogar can change into a seal, a great flayed bull, a gray horse with a broken back but no ears or tail, and a cat that would sit upon a sleeper's chest and grow steadily heavier until the victim suffocated or the ribbage cage broke. Oh my god. Some drogar are immune to weapons, and only a hero has the strength and courage needed to stand up to its formidable opponent. In legends, the hero would often have to wrestle it back to its grave, thereby defeating it, since weapons would do no good. Iron could injure it, as it's the case with most supernatural creatures, although it would not be sufficient to stop it. Sometimes the hero is required to dispose of the body in unconventional ways. The preferred method is to cut off its head, burn the body, and dump the ashes into the sea. The emphasis being on making absolutely sure that it is dead and gone. Fair. So yeah, that's what I would do too. Get the fuck rid of it. Yeah. But basically when I was looking that up there, that was just like the snippet that I got and it took up over a page. There are so many depictions of these things of decapitating, drinking blood, shape shifting, torturing, running animals to death, birds dropping. I mean, it's just insane. Like these things are you, I guess you could really call them anything, but when you look up, like, Icelandic vampires, these things come up. That's cool. They sound yeah. awesome. And not anything like what Skyrim showed, I'm just saying. Yeah, well, they probably <laughs> took, like, one little thing from, like, one right, little depiction. Exactly. Because exactly. they no, sound... Those sound fucking scary. Uh, yeah, they sound terrifying. Yeah. Especially because, Iceland. <laughs> dude, everything like Norse mythology is scary. Uh huh. Yeah, but so interesting. Like, I wish we had more of that out and about instead of Greek mythology. Yeah, there were some Greek things, but I was like, Meh. we all know about Greece. Let's just, let's just. <laughs> moving on to my last and also longest one, and this is also my I would say creepiest. I have a article which was written mostly by a Taylor Leonard, so that's what I will be reading from mostly. I have written more in there as well, so let's go on the journey. On July 16, 1996, 36-year-old Susan Walsh left her Nutley, New Jersey apartment to use a payphone across the street, a routine habit since she didn't have a home telephone. She was never seen again. 20 years later, the disappearance of Susan Walsh continues to be one of the more intriguing missing persons cases in the New York City area. Working as an exotic dancer since her early 20s and dreaming of becoming a writer for as long, Walsh had been using her contacts and experience in New York City's seedy underbelly to break into the world of investigative journalism. In the weeks prior to her vanishing, Walsh had been working on an article for The Village Voice regarding the growing popularity of Manhattan's underground vampire community. 
an article ultimately rejected for being too subjectively sympathetic of its subject. Around the same time, Walsh told close friends she feared a stalker was after her, but wouldn't divulge any further information for fear of endangering them. Almost immediately after the disappearance of Susan Walsh, author and clinical vampirism expert Catherine Ramsland, who has also written books on the subject, by the way, decided to dive into the New York vampire scene. And it wasn't just almost immediately, this was actually a friend of hers. Decided to dive into the New York vampire scene in an attempt to uncover what happened to the missing woman. Her book on the matter, Piercing the Darkness, Undercover with Vampires in America Today, published in 1998, provides an examination of the vampire underground as a whole, in a sense fulfilling what Walsh had set out to do prior to her disappearance. Even back in the 1990s, Ramslin was able to identify the internet as the emerging game-changing resource for subcultures like the vampire community. She notes the web as being a nexus for planning vampire gatherings in the real world, as well as providing the stage for enacting anonymous virtual vampire fantasies online. Several of the character contacts she meets and interviews initially reached out via the internet, though none of these individuals provide any help with learning the fate of Susan Walsh. Ramslin's ultimate takeaway was that the New York City underground vampire community consisted of almost exclusively of benign men and women dwelling in harmless, macabre fashion. Perhaps they occasionally dabbled in consensual blood sharing, blood consumption, and various fetishes, but nothing more. If Susan Walsh was a victim of an underground vampire conspiracy, Ramslin argues, then why didn't the perpetrators make an effort to prevent herself from digging far deeper than Walsh ever did? It's her opinion it's unlikely a link exists between the New York vampire subculture Walsh was exploring and the aspiring journalist's disappearance. Police would eventually draw the same conclusion. Yet, Ramslin doesn't, doesn't ignore the fact that the underground vampire community, as harmless as it may be as a whole, seems to benefit from the public perception of being capable of sinister, violent acts. She highlights several gruesome crimes in recent history committed by individuals, which we have actually done an HHH on one of these individuals that said he was a vampire and went across country and killed his girlfriend's parents, by the way. Crimes in recent history committed by individuals either claiming to be vampires or acting like them. It's entirely possible Susan Walsh gained the attention of such an individual while pursuing her interest in the New York vampire underground. Ramslin even had a scary run-in with someone cloaked and in the shadows one night. They asked her to meet them in the middle of nowhere, alone, and they would tell her what happened to Susan. Mm -mm. They did meet up with her there, but there wasn't much info before the stranger left. Basically, what this was from an interview, basically what he ended up telling her is, leave it alone, you're getting too close. Father Sebastian has even spoken out of asking elders in the vampire community what happened to her and has basically been told that she's safe. Stop asking questions. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in my mind, sounds like she got up there in the ranks of vampires and maybe she's a vampire now and that's pretty exciting. Granted, she did have a son that she left in the middle of the night and that's kind of upsetting. Yeah. Hmm. You'd think that if it was something that you could just, like, be open about, you would just, like, take your family with you, though. Or, like, talk to them about it, or, like... You know what I mean? Right. Well, she was divorced. I'm sure she didn't want to deal with the... But, like, your husband part. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. Just take him in the middle of the night. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I guess we'll never know. Somebody does. Mm. So, before we wrap up here... I have questions. 
Okay. Mostly about these fangs. <laughs> okay. You just put them in and out, right? Yeah. So actually, I was going to plug the people that I plan on actually buying my fangs from at the very end. And that is Chaos Custom Fangs. They are a husband and wife team that seem really sweet and they get their turnaround done pretty fast. Basically, you just get a mold in the mail and you take an impression of your teeth and you send it back and that is k-a-o-s-k-u-s-t-o-m fangs.com if anybody is interested but yes basically you have some like a almost like a ticky tacky that you can put them on with mm. you can't try you shouldn't drink with them stuff like that they're basically just for show but i want this one, the one on Father Sebastian's website, is like, mm -hmm. okay, for smoking, drinking, coffee, tea, alcohol, absinthe, and sex. Okay, <laughs> so can you bite people with this? I guess that's... Or is it just for like... like what just for sucking people? Kind of <laughs> I guess that would be my question. Um... Just email. I <laughs> just email. I have questions about the type of sex you can have <laughs> with the fangs. <laughs> I don't, but you know, it's just no. I don't funny. think you can actually bite people with them. Yeah, no. I great for singing. Interesting. Okay. Or I'm not. I'm not dogging these. That's just a funny little like great for smoking, drinking, tea, alcohol, <laughs> absinthe, and sex. Oh, okay. <laughs> just like a little divot into. Tea, coffee, alcohol, absence, sex. Oh, like, no okay. yeah. <laughs> Felicio. Okay, yes, good. Okay, exactly. great. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. I bet that they have, like, not everyone is, like, into, like, you know, freaky, like, BDSM and stuff, but I bet they have a pop in, pop in, like, sex subculture, too. Oh, yeah. Like, that's literally a thing in. You can watch some of his interviews with people getting their new fangs, and quite a bit of them are like, you can tell it's a sexual thing, or he'll comment on that people want these for their sex lives. It's like people getting a tongue ring because they want to, you know, they want a better sex life type thing. It's like that. For can some I people. just say, I had one, a tongue Did ring. Did not. <laughs> you just, I mean, they're. You know, you can get ones that vibrate, which I never did. Like, you Whoa. can flip them on. I never got one of those because I didn't get it for sexual reasons. I got it because I needed piercings to hide when I was 18 and a tongue ring <laughs> was, like, not super outward, which is why I had my septum done, too. I didn't even particularly like the way a septum looked, but you can flip it up inside your nose and no one even knows it's there. <laughs> but, yeah, they don't really do anything. Like... I don't know. Maybe I'm just vanilla. I don't know, but... Did, did your boyfriend appreciate it? No. Oh. But, like, not really. Didn't really notice, to be honest. I don't know. I would do it more... I'm not saying I want my fangs purely for something sexual, but I feel like it would more heighten my sexual response knowing that I have them than well, I think it can make you, my spouse. I think it can make... Like, if you feel confident and it makes you exactly. feel a certain type of way, that can, like... you feel sexy. Like, yeah. I just got my hair done, and that made me feel awesome. So, like, you know... Exactly. If, if anything makes you feel better, then, like, that's gonna do things for you. Right. But, it's like, like wearing lingerie for yourself. Yeah. Exactly. It, right. Exactly. And that's... Yeah. So, if it does that, then absolutely. But, you know, like, a tongue ring, that didn't provide any 
you know, like TMI, but you know, whatever. (laughs) It's like, yeah. So, anyways, they do have vibrating ones though, but they were very bulky, so I never got them. I couldn't imagine like something vibrating on my tongue like that. (laughs) It's just like, 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 no, I hate this. I hate this. Also, people break their teeth off on tongue rings all the time, and just regular, let alone shaking. Yeah. Like, I know it's only for, like, a little while and a specific... If you're my family and you listen, no, you don't. For specific <laughs> use, but, like, you know, I... Nah. I don't think I could be in the moment. I'd be like, it's shaking my whole jaw. I can't. The thing for you. Plus, it's just gonna, like, rattle your whole head. Yeah. Now, granted, this was back in, like, 2011. I wonder if they still sell them. Spencer's vibrating tongue <laughs> ring. Vibrating tongue ring battery. Well, I... Battery. Naughty tongue ring. It's for him and her from bodycandy.com. Okay, well, bodycandy.com does sell them if you... Oh, yep, they're just about as big as I thought they were. Yeah, that's... Yeah. That one is flipping me off. Thank you. <laughs> oh, they were $60. Now they're on sale oh for 20 Oh, my God. Yeah, they're not. But yeah, that they're, they, they're like big bar looking things. I would totally break a molar off on one of those. Blue Titanium XL Vibrating Tongue Ring. Nah. Oh, my God. They're, yeah, you're right. They're huge. Okay, oh but if you God. were... I told you, yeah. But if you were a guy and you had one of those... Do you know? Then, oh my god, that's huge. Oh my god. (laughs) No, but like for, you know, if you were a guy and had a female partner, like a genetically female, like a a guy having it, I'd be like, okay, I can get that. I can get that. Like a biologically, like if you were like servicing a biologically female partner, you know? Yes. This took a weird turn. We're talking about vampires. (laughs) Oh Oh, my god, that's. Sorry. Are you looking at... If anybody is curious, bodycandy.com also has a tongue piercing that has a... Looks like, you know, actual male-looking penis with a nutsack on it. So, you know, that's... As a tongue ring? <laughs> yes. Imagine putting it in as a joke and then, like, going to work on Monday and <laughs> forgetting that you have it in. Uh. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. You know, I did just get my industrial done, though. I can look at barbells now. Oh. See? I bet these aren't good quality though. I bet these are gonna hurt my fucking ears. Yeah, ten dollars. No, that's not good. Oh, these have pumpkins hanging from them though. Those are gonna Aww. get. <gasps> this one has a. Okay. Well, you thank you. Have... Sorry. What? No go. I was gonna ask if you had to have uh, sensitive ones because I know you were allergic. Yeah. Well, I don't do super well. I shouldn't have even gotten it done in the first place, to be honest with you, because I'm probably not gonna react very well to it. But these take six months to a year to heal this specific piercing that I got. So I guess we'll find out in a year. <laughs> Got it. Thanks for sticking in there if you're still here. <laughs> What's up? You know, this is just what happens. This is, you know. We, it, we drink. We get off track. More bullshit on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Extra Sisters podcast. You know, that gets weird over there, too. Because we're <laughs> way more comfortable over there. So if you think this is comfort, right. you can go over there for more stuff. Rated E for explicit <laughs> on Apple. So Patreon's just a free-for-all. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Extra Sisters Podcast. Twitter is at the Extra Sisters. And I'm going to go spend my Friday the 13th clean my house. What about you, Kristen? Oh, that's sad. Yeah, probably. I know. <laughs> I'm going to eat pizza and try to get a horror movie on real quick. I know. Friday the 13th, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
we're on five now next time we do it so right the final chapter was not the final chapter it was a lie three again that was the good one yeah that is the good one all right well (laughs) y'all stay safe stay healthy don't be stupid don't don't do stupid stuff you know all that good stuff Hope y'all ate a shit ton of food right. or whatever. My realtor comes to take pictures of my house tomorrow. Ooh, I know. I know. Exciting. Exciting. Yeah, I'm going to get a new spooky room. So, yeah. I know. New recording space. So, hopefully your that'll be good. not have to be shoved under your bed anymore. Yeah. Well, they don't really fit. So, I don't know what we're going to do with that for pictures. I don't know where they're going to go. So, I, they were going to go under my bed because then nobody could see them. But turns out they don't fit. So, I don't know where to put my 11 tarantulas. Just so. be like, take pictures of this part. Wait, wait, wait. Let me move them. Let me move them. Okay. Now you can take pictures. Yeah. And then when we <laughs> actually start like showing the house, which is also starting, I have no idea. I guess I, I don't know. I guess I'm going to like put them up in my closet because that's all empty and like throw a towel over them or something. I have no idea. It's my still my house. So I guess it doesn't really matter that much. Obviously, they're not coming with the house. So if anybody has a problem, be like, what? You think I'm going to leave my expensive ass right. tarantulas just on the loose? No. Exactly. But are they too tall for under your bed? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, the babies could go under my bed, but the big ones, which is what everybody's the worried problem. about anyways, <laughs> they don't fit under my bed. So keep y'all like, updated. I'm in the car with you. Just drive around all the time. See, but the problem is my dogs also have to be in the car with me when we show the house. So oh, imagine a, a lid <laughs> flying off, a tarantula being <gasps> loose. Yeah. Wheels getting yanked over. What actually would probably happen is the tarantula would just get squished, but then I would also cry because I have a great amount of affection for them now because I talk to them every morning and every night. So I'm like, hello, good morning, good morning, good morning, hi, good night, good night. How's everybody doing? Are you hungry? Is that why you're out? Hi. So, you know, I love that. Yeah. So, anyways, I'll keep y'all updated on how that's going if anybody cares. But until then, hope y'all had a great Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. All that shit. Hopefully I find a house before Christmas because if I can't decorate for Christmas, I'm just going to do it in February. So (laughs) I'm doing it either way. So uh, yeah, send me good vibes on the house stuff. Hope you all had a good Thanksgiving and, you know, we'll see you next time. Yep. Hope you guys had an amazing Thanksgiving. Until next time, stay creepy.